You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Cakes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Salute everyone, welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. I'm your boy Al Mega in the building, and today we got an amazing creator here today. I mean, homie has been places. My brother here has worked for 2008 DC Comics, Vertigo, and right now he's even doing something amazing in Dark Horse Comics with another legendary creator, Mike Mignola. Um, th- this book is fire, it is out in stores now. The first issue, all right, just came out, and uh, it's called The Sword of Hyperborea. Oh, man, and, and this is book right here. I have the co-writer of this fantastic story that's part of that BPRD universe, the one and only Mr. Rob Williams. Hey, hey what up, kiddo? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I've never had such a big build up my entire life. I feel like I've got a lot to live up to now. I feel like a wrestler, right? You're ready to start yes. like, rocking the ropes like Ultimate Warrior. Hey, that's, just what I, that's what I do of a, of a Monday evening. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Brother, thank you so much. I know it's late for you. Uh, you know, folks, he hasn't said yet where he's from. I know it's late for him. So tell us, where you at right now? Uh, I'm in Portishead, uh, just outside Bristol in the United Kingdom, so it is very late. But um, oh, it's five hours late. ahead of me. It's fine. Yeah, it's daddy hours, so daddy hours for him it translating. Is, yeah, you know. Daddy hours, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in, I, I haven't got a drink in my hand, so yeah, that, that happens the moment I finish this. Cheers, you and me both, my brother. There, there you go. You go. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your stuff. So, all right, so uh, were you born and raised and still to this day have resided in the same community? No, I um I was born in in South Wales um which is okay. only about an, an hour or hour and a half an hour or so from here. Um so um yeah, I was sort of raised in South Wales and then went to live in a place called Bristol um uh, and I've been here about 25 years. So Oh yeah. damn. So what was it about Bristol that that made you really plant your feet there? Um, uh, I started, um, dating, um, a girl who was living, uh, down in a place called Southampton, and then I was in a, living in a place called Cardiff, I was living in a place called Splot in Cardiff, which is a great name, Splot. Splot, what a name, I gotta see this in the comic book one day. I know, it's great, S-P-L-O-T-T, right, it's a great name. Um, so basically, we kind of said, well, we were going to move in together, so we said we'll find halfway on the map, and it was Bristol. Oh, look at you. So you find your, 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 your queen. Is that the same queen you was to this day or no? <laughs> it is my queen. I, hey, will okay, ta- I will call her my queen when I see her in about five, ten minutes. Or whatever. Oh, there you go, man. You know how many points you're going to score for that? Like, okay, baby, keep doing your podcast. No worries, king. <laughs> I'm going to role play tonight. Daddy won't be tired no more. Let me tell you. All right. So talk about you growing up then. You know, how was the, the, the pop culture, you know, community you growing up, and who? And what was your first love, and who introduced you to that? If, um, if it was anyone. Yeah, no, I, just, I well, I always remember just loving comics when I was a kid, and I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, you know, my parents, I guess, my mum sort of bought me them, and then I just got um, always mum, love mum. Yeah, and it was kind of. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was. I'd read everything. Like you'd get DC comics, you get Marvel comics, but they, you you wouldn't get them very often because apparently they used this is a cool story. They used to bring them over as ballast 
on on ships across the Atlantic, right? And they used okay. to use. Uh, so basically, what they would do when they the ships would come over, they'd give them the news agents to sell. So, but as a result, we never got every issue. So you would like get an issue of just this league, or you'd get an issue of Spider-Man, this killer cliffhanger, and you go, "I've got to know what happened next." <laughs> one. And then we would never get the next issue. I'm so sorry, you were tortured as a kid. Yeah, that, that, I know, is, but but that is comic book torture to the to the core. Yeah, but it, it it taught me sort of the power of these these what, what an amazing cliffhanger can do to you. It's like I really want to know what happens next issue. Um. But then, and then I read um, British comics like 2000 AD and um, well, you know, Judge Dredd and things like that. And, was that um, the first 2000 AD character you fell in love with? Because I know 2000 AD has a very varied you know, um, universe of characters. Yeah, no, it, pro- it probably was. I mean, that and, and ABC Warriors, which are a bunch oh, of... Oh, nice one, nice yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, those are the ones that really stuck. Um, and then I sort of, like, as I grew up, I, I, I never thought you could write for comics because I just didn't think it was possible because growing up in oh, South yeah. Wales, right, people who wrote for comics were Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and they lived in New York City and it was, <laughs> it was a million miles away from where In I your was. mind, that's a New York American thing. Absolutely, right? You can't do it. If, if, no one where I'm from does that because no one ever has, right? Yeah, but then um, enter Pat Mills, homie. I, I, I love Pat, man, because you know, he's yeah. the godfather of independent comics that brought, helped bring 2000 AD to the forefront, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, but um, And then so I, so I trained to be a journalist, and I was working as a freelance journalist, and I wrote one A column. journalist? So wait, 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 wait. So how, how did this come about then? So you go going to school, and, and is that something you just kind of keyed into? That yeah. I, I want to do... So who are your heroes in journalism that you kind of oh, keyed into? I don't know what heroes in journalism. I mean, you look at people like... Um, uh, oh, I don't know, but I don't, don't think I had any heroes in journalism. No, it was just... Okay. I, did, I just kind of... Yeah, that I, curiosity in you. I wrote for, for, you know, I wanted to write. It was the only thing I was any good at. And I thought, well, yeah. you know, I'm going to write and write for magazines. And I did that for, for several years. Wow. I ended up writing for magazines like GQ. What was your first one? Oh, my first one? God. My first... What's my first one? Well, pop that cherry, man. The Rob Williams writing cherry. What was I it? I don't know if it was my first one, but I, I've <laughs> written for so many bad magazines. I've, I've written hair tips. <laughs> Right, and if hey, you look at what's going on here, I've written hair tips. Oh, bro, written, let me take let me take some more suggestions. <laughs> I've written um, uh, horoscopes when no, I know I know nothing. I've just Rob made Williams it. is the Huerta Mercado of the UK. All right, exactly. <laughs> um, but then I ended up writing for some cool magazines as well, like 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 GQ in the UK. You and, did. Uh, wow. How did you yeah. land that? How did it feel? To... Okay, so instead of asking you what was your first opportunity, what was the first big opportunity that you landed and you were like, oh, man, no way. Thank you. <laughs> um, was it that GQ? Because that's, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool, man. GQ once, one, one, one big one was GQ once flew me out to Jackson, Mississippi, to the they New Orleans. you out, nice. Yeah, to the New, uh, New Orleans Saints training camp to interview Reggie Bush. Say, no way, bro. Yeah. Um, Were you so an we, American football fan, though? Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. Okay, great, great. <laughs> so they, they fly us out, and then we get all the way to Jackson, and then the PR guy for the Saints tells us uh, Reggie doesn't want to do the interview. And it's no. like, well, we've kind of come kind of a long way, man. So then eventually we hung around for about two. I interviewed like people like Drew Brees and, oh, shit, nice. and a bunch of other people. How did that feel? I was great. I mean, I'd, I've interviewed... Uh, 
I've been fortunate. I've interviewed quite a lot of. I've interviewed Ray Lewis. I've interviewed Shit. Larry Fitzgerald. Um. Yeah, I've interviewed Let quite a few. Let me get a broom, bro. Let me get a broom, bro. Cause I gotta sweep <laughs> up these names you dropped in Jesus. I know. Exactly. Whoa. But but Reggie Bush, after about two days, there was a happy end where he just when he'll give you five minutes, and he he came out. Two days and, though. Say again. He said he made you wait two days for this though. It was something like two days. We oh. were we were we were hanging around the training camp anyway, and we were interviewing okay. lots of other players and whatever. So they they caught he caught your vibe like all right these these British cats is cool. <laughs> so he came out in a, in a golf buggy from a train, and I, I interviewed him in his golf buggy. I do remember that. It was a, it was a classy deal. No, excellent. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of awesome, man. Is, is that something you anticipated kind of going into happen, or you were just like, wow, look at this opportunity? I think it was. I was. I did. A, I'd done a few things for GQ, and, and I was a friend with a, one of the editors there, and. And he, I think, basically, no one, no, no other British journalist knew about American football, knew about the NFL, and they just went, "Oh, we, we've got this gig. Do you, do you fancy it?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, hell yeah, let's yeah. go." Uh, Even if it's Mississippi, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Um, oh, they sent me to uh, the NFL draft in in New York City one year. As no well. way, you witnessed the draft. Nice. Yeah. How was that experience like? Because I know we have a lot of footballs watching and. My boy Johnny Hughes is also based out of UK, the machine. My my brother, my right hand man, he's right. a big football fan. He's probably very jealous. I mean, you attended a, a, a draft. How was that experience? I was also. I mean, like I love the draft, and it's like it's my little. It, 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 every year, I absolutely sort of um, get sort of hooked in and sort of you know, try, um, it's one of my favorite times of the year. So to, to go and uh, I think I was in something like row seven or something, Radio City Music Hall, and it was the year that um. Matthew Stafford was was drafted or number one overall. Really? Wow! Check you out. Yeah, and so the, <laughs> the day before they took us all to to a press thing in Central Park to interview all the the, you know, the top ten picks that year. Oh wow! And uh, Matthew Stafford, I, I interviewed him, and I remember thinking he seems really really happy. And then it broke about an hour later that he'd signed a forty million dollar contract. <laughs> no so wonder yeah. he's so happy. God damn. Yeah. You would be quite happy, yeah. Fantastic. So talk about this. So here we are. We're talking about you going into journalism. You're doing this sports stuff. You're doing, like, you know, GQ stuff. When did you, you know, do this turn to start getting into, back into some comics? Um, well, it's, I mean, I've just always been a comic fan and a reader. And um, I, I wrote one script. I was working at a time for a, a video production company. So I was writing scripts for visuals but, I, uh, but very boring corporate videos but I thought well hang on I can, you know, maybe I can I'll try my hand at writing for comics and um, so I wrote one script and I went to a comic convention in the UK in a Bristol comic convention at the time and it was a new company called Comics who were just starting out and I gave them the full script because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know how you pitch things and I didn't know you know I just like this big wedge of a script just handed it over and um, and then a few months later, they rang out of the blue and basically said they'd read it and they loved it and they wanted to publish it. And that was a Wonderful. comic called, called Class War. Um, so they paired me up with an artist called Trevor Hairstein, who's amazing. Oh, um, you work with Trevor? Wow, yeah. I know Trevor's work. Amazing artist. Yeah. So I was very fortunate. They kind of like, they, they paired me up with a really, really good artist from day one. Oh, yeah. And then Class War came out and, and that kind of opened a lot of doors. Suddenly... 
you know, Marvel and DC in 2000 AD were kind of interested in me Ooh. potentially writing for them. You wow, know. the big boys, the UK big boys and the two big boys in the States started coming up. And how did that feel, you know, you, you coming off the off the deck like that, running out the gates, basically, like, wow, I'm getting this love. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's great, but it's exciting. But it, being honest, like, you, I didn't really know what I was doing at that point. You know, I just kind of, yeah. like, I'd written, as I said, I'd written one script, and it was... I, I guess, you know, it, it showed a lot of promise and had a fair amount of talent in it, but so much of writing is craft and learning your craft, and and I didn't have any of that. So suddenly when I had these companies saying, look, you know, we'd like you to pitch for us, I was kind of going, I don't even know how to write a pitch at this point. You uh, you're like, damn, bro, I'm a rookie. Uh, yeah. Right now. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm a pro, but I'm a rookie. Uh, I think it's like well it is a rookie's a good good you know because when rookies come into the NFL or whatever you know they might be really talented but they lost half the time they don't know what you know where to yeah, go. Yeah, I mean they, they need some direction when you have good direction, good leadership behind you, or at least good people maybe that's the kind, or, or you just have a good gut. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I mean in this business, a lot of things is luck and you making the right decision at the right time. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I mean, ain't that real, bro? I mean, that's what it is. So. And, and, and you have this amazing book. I have a little PowerPoint. I had I had to do it, bro. I had to do it because you know I, this this joint is dope. So let me bring this bad boy up so we can start talking about it. So let's start talking about the journey, though. So here you go, acclimated with Trevor Noah. How did you start getting involved with Dark Horse and Mike himself, you know, and the BPR of the universe? My man, well, that's like a fast forward of a. 20 years or 19 years, but it's, um... Whoa, wait a minute. You're talking... Ah, that was a big fast forward you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Whoa, yeah. so, so you started... So, but how... Okay, so before we even get there, then, how was that journey, though? You started from where you're starting and getting to where you're at now. You know, what what have been your, your greatest highlights? What have been your most favorite characters that you've um, worked on? I, I mean, I sort of... Worked, I did a bunch of work for Marvel for a few years, and I, um, I wrote Ghost Rider for Marvel. Oh, I wrote, yeah. um, wrote Darken, which I still don't know. I wrote the character. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Darken. <laughs> you know, I say Dakin, you say Darken, tomato, tomato. Let's go. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I really like I, I, I like writing Dakin or Darken. Um, he, uh, that was that was a character that I had a kind of soft spot for. Um, and then, um, I mean, I've written for so many. Ca- I mean, I, I wrote for DC. I mean, I wrote. Um, Suicide Squad for about three, four years, maybe. Yeah, how did you feel seeing them on screen too, man? After you were working on touching that bad boy, that was like, well, I mean, the James Gunn film I just you know watched fairly recently, which was awesome, and it was just kind of like that was um, that felt like tonally a lot like what my my Suicide Squad comic was like, you know. So I felt like, yeah, I mean, it's and I I got to work with people like. um, with Jim Lee and, and Johnny Romita Jr., Ooh, you know. Shit. Uh, shit. Yeah. Icons in the business, brother. Look at you. Yeah. See, that's why you, you're already a modern legend, Rob. You know, come on, man. Don't sell yourself so short, brother. You are I, a modern I, I legend. Do that. I wouldn't do that to you, Al. You are a modern legend. I mean, over 20 years in the business, look who you work with. Is there any character, before we move on, you know, to the next, what you're doing now, is there any character that you, that from the big two that you would have liked to work on that you have not had the opportunity to work on yet? Oh, man. Um, I've, yeah, I've written most of most of the, what have I written? Yeah, is there anyone you want to touch? I don't think I ever wrote 
Daredevil. I don't think mm-hmm. they ever wrote Daredevil. So you want to touch the Daredevil story? Would you dare go ahead and and, and, and get devilish? <laughs> I do it. I I might not. You know, I just kind of. I always think you're on a hiding nothing, considering what Frank Miller did with the character. But um, you'd you'd have to have a go, wouldn't you, if you got off it? Oh yeah, you got to do it, man. I mean, yo, but listen, Frank was Frank, but you are you. You know, and listen, everybody's gonna have their iconic story. Frank had his run. And Marvel, you heard? We spoke it out to the world. You know, let, let's get some Rob on, on some Daredevil. You know, the, the character's hot. We're going to be seeing him on, on Disney, on the movies, everywhere. So let's get it popping, yo. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about you then. Just, you know, acclimating now with Dark Horse. You know, mm. there's, there's this amazing premiere publisher. So how did you get hooked up with them and Mike and start working on this BPRD stuff? Um, I just done a crate run book called Old Haunts for AWA. I'll see if I can find it. Hang on. Bring it on. You bring it on, kiddo. Maybe, I maybe I can't find it. Look at it. He got his stuff there. You got so much stuff. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not prepared. Uh, yeah. I need cells like that. I need many more cells. It would drive my wife crazy, but I still want to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, look at that. Gorgeous. Yeah. AWA is a fantastic independent publisher kicking ass right now, too. Yeah. So we did, um, I did this um, really cool, it's sort of a crime horror book uh, with... Um, wow, bro, look at that. With Ollie Masters and... Ooh, um, Ollie Masters, yeah, wonderful artist. And, uh, and Lawrence Campbell. And um, so Lawrence and I had just done this, and Lawrence worked for BPRD and for Mike Mignola for about five years doing uh, joint uh, BPRD. Oh, so wow. um, Lawrence was talking to Dark Horse and Mike about maybe doing this new book and um and they, you know they kind of talked to about me coming on as a writer basically and it was um I, you know, I read I've been reading Hellboy for years I, I read BPRD for years and loved it so it was a bit of a yeah a little bit of a dream job and I'm getting to work with Lawrence because Lawrence is one of my best friends and we've worked together a number of times and he's an amazing artist so um yeah it was um it's just a, you know, a really fun job to have. Excellent. So I'm going to pull up the preview pictures I got. I had done, and I said a PowerPoint, but apparently Streamer didn't want to cooperate today. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love it when technology works this way? But just talk the inspiration behind the character while I pull up these uh, images. Well, the whole idea of the book is... um, in Hellboy and in BPRD, this sword is almost like Excalibur. We, you know, it's it's kind of it's been in the books, and uh, in, Hellboy fans will know that this sword has played a major part in the battle against the uh, the Ogdruhem monsters. I'm probably mispronouncing that as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, but we we never really knew where this sword came from. We knew that sort of there was a character, a BPRD agent called Howard, who when he grabbed hold of it in a Chicago temple basement. Yeah, and suddenly almost got possessed by the spirit of a of a barbarian warrior from thousands of years ago called Galdena. Galdena, um, oh, that's how you pronounce it. Thank God, thank you. Yeah, well, I hope, <laughs> I hope I'm right. Um, so, um, what the, the idea of this, the, you know, of the series is basically? Well, we know that the sword ends up in in some weird temple in Chicago in the late end of the 20th century, and we know it. it was back in Hyperborean, post-Hyperborean times, thousands of years ago. But who held this sword and the various other points? How did it get to Chicago? So our story is kind of 
the journey of the sword and the different people who held it along the way and, and sort of passed oh. it on. So, so issue one, you're going to you're gonna see, if you're a BPRD Hellboy fan, you're going to see Gal Denon, you're going to see Howard, who we've met before. And you're going to see this sort of the you know the the, the quest of Galdena, this barbarian character trying to find the mythic warriors who gave us power to this sword. Um, That's what he's doing, yeah. Because I, I was again reading it, I'm checking it out. I'm like, okay, good. This homie got a story behind him, a crazy story. Yeah, and then in issue two, you're going to meet a brand new character. Uh, further on in the future, called Grappling the Gotha, who's kind of a Without giving too much away, she's a German sort of spy, effectively, at the, in World yeah. War One. And then you're going to see, in issue three, you're going to meet a character called Victor Olsen, who's the greatest deep-sea diver in, in the world, in World War II. Um, and then in issue four, you're going to see a, a blues, um, um, a black blues singer from the Deep South, who's come up to Chicago for the electric blues scene in the 50s and kind of Muddy Waters and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I love it. Love it. Are you a Muddy Waters fan, bro? Yeah, I mean, I like... I mean, mean, just didn't all the kind of, you know, that that, that (coughs) blues scene of the time, yeah. So to me, it was just... That's kind of like where rock and roll came from. So it was just... It was an interesting... I thought that was an interesting sort of American myth to tap into sort of the whole Hellboy sort of world, basically. Love it, love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the pictures for this. this uh, don't you love technology? Okay, hold on. Yeah, wonderful. I'm almost there, folks. <laughs> if, I, if I had the issue here, I could just hold it up instead. But I no, no, it's all right. I got it. Because, you know, again, this is the one that's technology when stuff doesn't want to cooperate with you, brother. It just doesn't want to cooperate with you, but... That's okay. We always have alternatives in anything that we do. And once I find our screen, thank God I did. Here we are. So let me do this and close that. Sure. Maybe we can show off this first screen. I'm going to share my screen so we can check out this beautiful cover, bro. Check this out, man. Look how dope that is. Yeah. Isn't that fire? So that's, um, yeah, that's Lawrence Campbell on art. And that's, um, the cover is colored by Dave Stewart, who colors all Magnola's work on Hellboy. Yeah, Dave Stewart, you know, I mean, that's it. That's like the the ultimate comic book bromance. These brothers have been working forever together, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Dave's colored, I I think I'm right in saying Dave's colored Mike all the way through Hellboy, so he's (laughs) he's as much part of it all as Mike is in a lot of ways. Go ahead, guys, you could take that. The ultimate bromance of comics. Let me tell you, that's some truth right there. All right, I'm sorry. I gotta bring up these pictures because there's so many. All right, so go over here. <laughs> Don't you love it, brother? So then we have this bad boy, right? Look at that. Yeah, that's the page one. So that's that's Howard's the BPRD agent, and um, this is all. Now we're in the interiors. It's colored by Quentin Winter. Um, oh, Quentin. Okay. Uh, wow, and where did he come from? How did you guys connect with him? Do you know the story behind that? I did. Um, I did a a book uh, a vertigo a couple of years ago called Unfollow, um, and uh, Quentin Keller was a colorist on that. But he okay. actually he knows Lawrence and uh, lives Wonderful. quite close to Lawrence. But um, yeah, he did he did a beautiful job. I mean, I, on page one here, you know, this is like Howard's. We if you've read BPRD spoilers, like you know, Howard's this character dies at the end of BPRD. So I think, you know, the colouring here is deliberately, like, he looks a little bit like a dead man walking. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, and it's wonderful used, but in the standard of the weapon looks out as well. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you see the something foreboding is is here. Yeah and, yeah, and just look at this coloring and shading. You kind of keep it even there. Like yeah. you know, she's talking to a dead man walking. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That is gorgeous, bro. And talk about you know the story and the creation with you and Mike, man. I mean. How did y'all put your minds together and got collaborative? Because, again, with COVID happened and all that, how will you guys be able to work together and put together this, you know, masterpiece, again, in the BPRD universe? Ah, oh, cheers, man. Well, it's, um, I mean, Mike basically had, a, had an overall kind of plot structure for issue one in mind when we came okay. on board. He said that the way Mike tends to work is you tend to have, you'll have a Zoom call with him, and he'll kind of go, ah, I kind of had this idea. Like, he sounds like he's thrown it off the top of his head. And then he tells you <laughs> it. And you go, well, that's completely fantastic. And, and that's just a, a great a great <laughs> story right there. And it's all it's all there. And he goes, oh, you can you can do something with that if you want. You go, okay. Um, so really, my, my job is, um, on issue one specifically, was really just to, to break down the plot that Mike had sort of given us, really, and sort of... Um, uh, and then sort of, you know, I think in terms of the overall world, you know, it's like Mike knows this stuff. Oh, yeah, he does. You know, it's, it's his world. So okay, we had a couple of Zoom calls where we talk, you know, a bunch of us and you have a, the Dark Horse editorial team and, and Lawrence as well, where we would um, we would talk it all through. And, you know, Mike, Mike will sort of, you know, will lean you certain ways sometimes. He'll kind of go, I don't think you want to you want to do that but you might want to do this instead and you go okay because he helps steer the ship a little bit oh yeah it's, it's you know he's he's the captain of all this stuff absolutely you know and then um but then the, one of the cool things about it was then he then he kind of gets out of your way you know what i mean he's just like Wonderful. all of that was 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 very early you know right at the start when we were sort of planning it all and then from the moment we you know lawrence and i start working on it i mean the thing the cool thing about this book as well is that it's as much, it's not, very often with most comics, you write a script and then you hand the script off to the artist and the artist draws in. Very often you don't have a conversation, you know, a lot of the times you don't, you never talk. I mean, Lawrence and I were talking all the way through this book, you know, there's lots of ideas here, mine, lots of Lawrence's ideas, you know, and, and it's a real, we because we just come off doing a create-your-own-book together, mm-hmm. old form, where you're far more kind of immersed together, it's much more of a team team thing with creator owned and we really put the same kind of principle into the sort of hyperborea really it's um it's 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 like a massively collaborative effort and um you know to the point where issue three i had a character all laid out and lauren said oh, i had this idea for this other character and i just thought his character was cooler than mine so it's like right we'll dump my character and we'll dump your character it. for future use yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, he's not dumb. <laughs> that is true actually he that character is is might be coming back somewhere else hey so, yeah you never <laughs> check them completely if you think they're any good but um but no it's 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 you know so it's i really i like the idea of like i know at the start of I remember sort of old X-Men books where it used to just be by Chris Claremont and John Byrne, by Chris Claremont and Paul Smith. It didn't say writer yeah. and artist, you know. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that kind of idea with this as well. I think it's um, it's very much a book by, by Lawrence and I. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing, man. I'm digging it, bro. I mean, and again, you know, you, you guys have kicked ass in it. 
artistry, the action, the blood. Look at this. this yeah, yeah. Right up my alley, man. You guys, <laughs> you guys are going after my heart right here, man. This is, this is what comic books is to me. All this great, fun stuff. And, you know, and this is available now at comic shops. Yeah, that's right. It's out, it's out now. It came out last week. And uh, it's a four-issue miniseries. Um, and then, um, yeah, there might be more on the way. We'll see. Excellent, man. Which me might. I mean, is it going to be based on this, or, or or you already have another plan outline? And I can't. I can't say at this point. But, I mean, basically, mm. what one of the things we wanted to do with this series, especially with the three brand new characters, is um, is, is maybe sort of give them a little bit of a life of their own. So wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We're talking okay. anyway. Hey, I'm fishing here, folks, but they may not fish too hard because we're about positivity and love. And let, let him tease the crap out of us like we're in a comic book strip club. You know? Yeah, absolutely. He's throwing yeah. the shadows without the full figures. Oh, let me see. You know, that would be a comic book strip club, right? You're so covered with shadows. <laughs> no, that's, right. that's what you want to call it. Right, it's a little split with blurry lines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got one other thing I should talk about. I've got another Please, show me, show me, show me. Please, oh, let's right. talk about it. Again, through AWA, which is in shops right now, is out. Out? What is this? Talk about it, homie. Uh, this is, um, it's a creator-owned miniseries from AWA by myself and, and Will Conrad and Marco Lesko the colorist. Wow. Yeah, I love how they do their covers, man. So shiny and beautiful, bro. Yeah. And then you've got beautiful interior art. Where am I oh, going? my Where God. Going? Look at that. Yeah. Fuego, son. Fuego. And we have... So, basically, the whole idea of this book is... Oof. Uh, it's uh, World War Two, and it's the Great Escape, but there's a vampire in the camp with the prisoners. And so, Oh, I love it. What is your love with horror, man? Is that is, is that your thing, man? It's yeah, it is one. Of, it's one of my things. I mean, I do. Right. I enjoy writing it because basically, it's like, especially a book like that is kind of built out of um, loving films like you know John Carpenter's The Thing and Alien and you know and uh, it's it's basically putting a bunch of characters in a in a horrible situation and picking them off one by <laughs> one. So if you, don't you, know, you love it? Do you love that part where you just like? Can I find the most devious ways to get them picked off? Is that something you look forward to? Yeah, well, I mean, what you want to do is you write characters, and you 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 you're very cruel as a as a writer because you create characters who hopefully people will like, and just when you go, I really like this character, then you kill them off. So hey, let me hurt you guys. And and then you can do it in creator own because in a way that you can't do with. If you're writing for Marvel or DC, because, you know, let's face facts, if you're going to kill off a Marvel or DC character, they're going to be back in about six months' time. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, six months, a year. I think Wolverine yeah. is probably dead for two, three years, right, before they brought him back official. I yeah. think the longest dead character in comics is probably The Flash, right, because he lasted about th- – Barry Allen Flash, that is, about 30 yeah. years dead. Yeah. You know, so I think he was the longest land, longest lasting death in comics. Well, I never are they ever brought back Captain Marvel? You know, the original Captain Marvel, the male one. When I was uh, a kid. well, it, it, and here we go. Yeah, they, they got some new comic out with uh, Silver Surfer Rebirth, and, and we see that Captain Marvel is somehow involved, talking about the Captain Marvel that we know. Yeah, yeah, as a kid. You know, the OG. When I was a kid. I mean, he died. Yeah. So, like, well, they never... yeah. So, they talk, yeah, I see him in the cover. It comes out this week as well, Silver Surfer oh, okay. Rebirth. And they're bringing back the original team of Ron Mars and Ron Lim. Oh, okay. Right, okay, so, cool. They, Marvel seems to be doing this now, right now, where they're bringing back some legendary teams to touch some books. E- even with the uh, 
Ben Riley Spider Man, they're bringing back the OG team to do a five ish mini on that. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. I thought um, one of my comic shops I follow, Big Bang Comics in, in, in Ireland, they posted yesterday, there's like this Roger Stern Amazing Spider Man omnibus coming out, and I was getting oh. real kind of nostalgic. Kind of, I used to love that when I was a kid. Yeah, was, yeah like looking at your wallet and like, ooh, yeah. will she find out if I buy this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I kind of yeah, was actually. Yeah, yeah. Hey, bro, you and me both, brother. I see stuff like that. You know, I, I can't wait to they do what I'm really waiting for. I want them to do a whole Mark Greenwald omnibus of Captain right. America. Yeah. When they do that shit, oh my God, I don't care, bro. I'm going for it. <laughs> What is it? Okay, that, that was a bad one. Oh, there you, you're done, people. No one's spreading your cheeks. Get out of here. I was going to say, that's your, your other podcast. You know, they, 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 they had a whole different interpretation of what the sword of Hyperborea meant. Yeah, How dare is. these people? They have been blocked. Get out of my, my show. How dare you dirty people, you. <laughs> anyway, that's so funny. Um, so is there any other things we can anticipate outside of the Dark Horse and AWA? Because, again, I see you heavy doing AWA. You're, again, shout out, great independent publisher, Dark Horse, you know, doing their thing. I mean, what else? Are you working with any other publishers that you can't speak of right now? Yeah. Any other awesome projects? I'm doing um, uh, I'm doing more Judge Dread for the 2000 AD. I always do mm. that with Judge Dredd, and we've been doing that for a few years. Where are we doing this Judge Dredd on the main magazine, the magazine, uh, or the re, the read night, or what is it? Re, uh, no, it's in, it's in, it'll be in the two, uh, yeah, the regular the 2000 main? AD. Um, so I've got a six-part Dread coming up with Patrick Goddard drawing it called uh, Special Relationship, which is yeah. um, all about. I don't know if you know your Dread world, but it's um. Britsit is the British, you know, is Britain, and Mega City One is America, and uh, they might be going to war a little bit, just a little bit. Oh, just a little bit? Hey, yeah. hey, you, you guys just want to fight America so bad, I see it only playing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me shut you guys up. <laughs> the man. No, no, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. I know. I know. But I'm no, playing. you're dreadful. <laughs> I'm only playing. <laughs> I, I love that dread. I mean, it's so dark, man. It's so fun. It's so futuristic, bro. You know, I, I, I dig dread. I, you know, I love the movies. I've always been a fan of, of the characters. And I, as I've been perusing a lot of the digital copies that, you know, thank you, 2008 for allowing us to, to have access to check those books out. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow, um, why, haven't, why hasn't this been a bigger part of my life growing up? Now, the dread, you know, 2008 is a fantastic magazine with some wow concepts and I mean they always got new stuff so I mean within itself it has its own collectability you got first appearances galore all over the place and fantastic stories by amazing crazy even like yourself that yeah. get involved do you have any original creations within the 2080 universe yeah I got a bunch what have I done well, I did, what's uh, your biggest boy oh, oh girl I, I, did, I did one called um uh, the Ten Seconders, which was kind of like I think the boys had stolen its thunder a bit, but it was um, it was it was basically there was a bunch of all the super gods were in America, and the this little British group were the resistance. These gods had gone mad and taken over the world, so it was kind of like fighting ordinary people oh, fighting yeah. superheroes, like a little death squad, <laughs> kind of <laughs> superheroes. So that was kind of fun, and um. I did an apocalyptic western I really like called The Grievous. It's got a very long title. The Grievous Journey of Ichabod Azrael and the Dead Left in His Wake. 
God Not damn, me. bro. Why so long? Holy smokes. Because all, <laughs> you get told that all titles, all comic titles have to be really snappy and short. And I got really sick of it. And I went, I'm going to do a really long one, right? <laughs> Just as long as I can do it. Right. Um, and it was, um, that was the story of like the biggest, the uh, greatest killer of the old West. And he oh. dies and he goes to the afterlife. And then in the afterlife, he goes, no, nah, I'm not having this. And he tries to kill his way out of the afterlife to come back to, to, to reality. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. And this is on 2000 AD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's oh, a collection of this. There is a collected edition of this? I would love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. There was oh, a few dude. years ago, yeah. Dude, uh, you, you have sold me <laughs> <laughs> entirely. Oh, good crap. I love it. Thank you. You're a boss, kiddo. So, you know, let's talk about it, right? So, uh, right now, is those are the best places to you know, just see what you're up to Is it on social? Yeah, those guys, um, me on Twitter talking nonsense most of the time, and then on Instagram, I tend, <laughs> to post, I tend to post really nice art by people who who can actually draw as opposed to me, where I just like <laughs> Have you ever uh, attempted to draw, Rob? I'm largely useless, Al. I'm not going to I'm not going to actually make a living as a, as a dual threat, I'm afraid. <laughs> yes, the one-man band is all right. Let me do right. One-man army, all right. Me, yeah, I need, I, need, right I, need, I need to lean on very good artists uh, to do the hard lifting for me. Okay, I want to leave you. These are my last two things here. And I, always love to, I want to ask you this one. So, if you, as a writer, if there's any artist you could work with, alive or dead, ever, who? Will you choose? Oh, no, it would have to. It would be Kirby. It would have to be Kirby. Kirby. What would your idea be like with Kirby? I have no idea because anything I come up with, <laughs> anything I want to do, <laughs> he, would, he, would take, he would take it far, far madder than anything I could do. You know? <laughs> um, but um, okay, awesome. No, it's yeah. just like I mean, I've got like what have I got there? I got an artist edition right there of the Fantastic Four. Kirby with, with the negative zone and Annihilus oh, and all that. Yeah. I love that stuff. It's just crazy. Great. Oh, I love that. And so, all right. But, and as a creator that's been in the business for a minute, you know, and look, you, you continue to rock it, you know, working with legends and, you know, working with Matt Label and you got even more coming. You know, God bless you. Thank you for, for sharing, you know, giving me you your flowers. Thank you for being no, creative and sharing of your journey, my brother. It's amazing, bro. I, 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 I'm digging the crap out of this book. I've read other things you've done as well, to be honest. So, yep. you know, thank you. Thank you for entertaining me. Oh, cheers, huh? I appreciate yeah, it. You're the man, bro. And is there any advice you would give any other up-and-coming creators, if you will, based on your journey? In um, Yeah, I mean, well, well, one thing is, like, you just, it's persistence and hard work, right? You are going to get, if you're a new creator or someone who wants to be a creator, you are going to get so many doors shut in your face along the way. You just got to keep going, basically. If you believe in it, you've got to keep – and it's what you want to do. You've got to keep trying. Um, but also I'd say, like, you know, c- concentrate on the craft. There's a, there's a, a line I, – I, I remember a, a, an anecdote from, like, you know, about Steve Martin. People would ask Steve Martin, how you get in the show business? And he would say – get yourself so good that they they can't not hire you, you know? And I think what that means is you've got to concentrate on your own craft and keep improving your stuff. And then basically it's not about what who you know or what links you can have, to, and, and you know, and it's not about talking the talk and all that. At the end of the day, if you're, as an artist or a writer, if you're 
bring your work to people and put it in front of people and they take one look at it and kind of go, this is really good. They're going to hire you, and that's the bottom line. So, you know, put a lot of work into the sort of, you know, the nuts and bolts and make sure that you, you, you know, you, you've got your stuff sort of locked down, basically. Oh, man, ain't, is that not the truth? Yeah, you work hard, you know, at your craft because you will be noticed. Um, you know, again, you know, you put your work out there, it eventually will be fine. I mean, good Rob, he's kicking ass <laughs> with legends. I mean, and, and a long career, amazing, yo. And I can't wait to see your take on Daredevil because Marvel's gonna hear this. <laughs> like, you know, it's coming. I, it's, it's definitely I, coming. Yeah, I, I can't wait, and especially when they adapt that as well. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, again, they already ripped you up for the boys. What else are they gonna take from you? <laughs> I didn't say that. No, I know you didn't, but I'll really say it. I'll say it. The boys just, beat, you know, beat us to it in terms just, of getting the TV, I think. In the TV, sure, but they beat you to it in written form. Mm, well, there you go. What are you going to do? It's That's a good, the good question. Show. Yeah, you know, but it's all right. But it, things happen. That's life. But, you know, that just means that your ideas are that good that eventually we will see your product on that platform one day if that's something you choose to do. Now, if you chose to do that, if you chose to do that, right, and have anything that you created come onto a different multimedia platform, whether it be animation, a film, TV show, what would you choose it to be? Um, Well, I did that book. I mentioned a book I did for Vertigo a few years ago called Unfollow, and that's been option for TV a few times now by DC, so we still okay. got fingers, fingers crossed on that, but I would love to see that on TV, because I think it would be a uh, yeah, I think that would be a pretty awesome TV show, I could see it so, fingers crossed So, oh, excellent So when you say TV, would you prefer this on something that's mainstream TV or CW, or something in the line of HBO Max or even on Netflix. Yeah, HBO, I think, something like that. Because, I mean, yeah. if, you re- if you go back and read it, should go out and buy and follow. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, um, yeah, it's basically the whole idea of that. It's a social media thriller. And the guy who invented sort of the, the equivalent of Twitter, he's got cancer and he's dying. He's, and so he says that 140 people out there are going to get an app on their phone. And if you get this app just pops up on your phone, that means when he dies, you're going to get 140th of his billions, right? So what? you're rich, right? So the the, tr- the twist on it is that basically what he tells them all, uh, these 140 people, is if if one of them dies, 139 of them share the money. And if 139 of them die, one person gets all his money, basically. And from that point on, it's kind of like a, a social media battle royale where these people are just like, and it, with the app on your phone, every time you, one of the 140 dies, the app comes down, but you can see the number coming down. Holy crap. Talk about greed at its mm. finest. Bro, I, I love that you dig that into. That, that that's, that's really a dark side of humanity. It's like, damn, can't everybody eat? And unfortunately, not everybody thinks that way. And what you just explained to me is just a perfect analogy of that. Like, you yeah, know, well, not everybody kind of, wants you to eat. <laughs> it's social media, right? You know, social media was it's supposed insane. to make everything Jesus better, God. and instead it's making everything worse. So there you go. But, you know, is it social media or is it the people in social media that just don't know how to use it? Because, again, being that they're so anonymous, you know, oh, let me be a thug now. You yeah. know, 
So is that the platform's fault or, or the person's fault? Again, it, it goes back to even with the gun stuff, right? You yeah, know, yeah. The gun doesn't shoot itself. <laughs> you know, this is this is a, one of the things and one yeah, of the arguments. Life, you know, arguments. Yeah. It's just that we. It doesn't matter. You know, technology changes, but human beings are just human beings. But the bottom line, and we've always been, even when we were back in the jungle or whatever we were, we were still being dicks to each other and you know whatever so it's just yeah. it's human nature sometimes you know yeah, and that's what I'm saying human nature it's it kind of fucked up sometimes this is what it is it's just the truth of it I hate to say it that yeah. way but hopefully you know we could hope one day just learn <laughs> from these sci-fi movies like yo there's, there's this one thought let's just all be better please please yeah absolutely yeah please yeah. you know and, and, and but it's alright though while, while we wait for that day to happen we have amazing creators like Rob Williams, like doing awesome books that will just take your mind out from today to a day of tomorrow and the future. Some wild stories, you know, bugged out stuff. You know, no matter what platform it is, Rob is just an amazing writer that definitely knows how to uh, use escapism to to the uh, best of its power. So thank you for that, because again, you know, that's something that means a lot to me. Because when I pick up a comic book, I really don't want to read. News. I want to just. Where am I? And yeah. as I was reading this. I was like, "Where the hell am I?" I love yeah. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're so, a couple of thousand years in the past. That's where you were. But, but, you know, thank that's, you. That's one of the cool things about it. Is it is? Is like Mike's created this world with just like it's. It's like so rich, and there's so many different stories you can tell. And, 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 and here you are. It's not just Mike, but here you are. You know, of putting your piece. Uh, of your soul into this wonderful universe, and I'm digging it. And and and, and yo, know, people, yo, know, go to your comic shop today. You gotta pick up this issue one out now. All right, you know. It, and you said how many issues is this story? Uh, four. So four, four issues. You know, this is nothing. You know, and you actually get more bang for your buck here. This is real great storytelling, beautiful art. By a fantastic team, you know you got the you know uh, Mike Manola, the the legend. You got the the right now legend right here, Rob W. You know you got beautiful artwork. I mean you can't go wrong in historic horse comics, yo. Come on now, yeah, right, right. So anything else you could you could tell us today, brother? Before we go, anything else you want to tell I, the people of the world? I think I think I'm out, but I would just say yeah, just um, yeah, thanks for. Thanks for buying my stuff, and yeah, I hope you um, hope <laughs> what we got out there. Oh, and yeah. buy it out, out. I, I will say, out issue four is in shops this Wednesday. So oh, that's coming out this Wednesday. Hey, AWA. And then we have the trade paperback of out is is uh, next month, I believe. No, March maybe. Folks, you already there. So AWA Studios, please tell your comic shop you want out. You know, not 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 saying that you want out of the no, comic no, shop. You no, want no. the comic book out. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, yo, from AWA by the big homie right here with his fantastic team. You already saw. You already teased you with that art. How could you say no to that? That's exactly. You know what I mean? How could you say no? To that? I mean, if you're a comic book fan, you cannot say no to that. So with that, yo, God bless, brother. Thank you again for joining me. This is Omega. Yo, the other told you what to do with the exception of. Check out our t-shirts on Teespring. We're also YouTube partners now. So if you go on YouTube right now, you can actually buy our t-shirts, all right? And, and thank you for people uh, that are tuning in on LinkedIn because we're also on LinkedIn now. So 
a big whip out of you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Much love. And to my fans in Colombia, India, Belgium, China, yo, thank you for y'all tuning in and really ranking us and y'all countries. We appreciate it. We love you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCage.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 